You're listening to the Dirty Dozen Podcast, episode 41. This week, we're revisiting the best songs of 1983. Go back to a time where David Lightman teaches a computer chess, Eddie realizes that Hamburger Helper tastes fine by itself, Tony always told the truth, even when he lied, Miles is being chased by Guido the Killer Pimp, and the Admiral finally realizes that it's a trap. But always remember, if you have a problem and no one else can help, and if you can find them, maybe you can hire your host, Rob Heitman, and a man obsessed with hunting these little creatures that live in his lighthouse, Jacob Newkirk. <laughs> hey, welcome to the Dirty Dozen Podcast, where we discuss the best 12 songs from 1983 while enjoying a drink or two. I'm Rob. And I'm Jake. I'd like to thank everybody who's been active and joining in on our conversation on Facebook page, with a special shout out to Alex Hennon, Christina Jarno. Carissa Rittenberg, Lori Reese, and Dave Devlin. Thank you for being active. Mm-hmm. Looking back to 1983, TV shows premiered, including The A-Team, Frackle Rock, He-Man, uh-huh. Webster, movies included War Games, Return of the Jedi, Scarface, Risky Business, Vacation, Christine, and Blue Thunder. Oh, wow. I love Webster. You and love He-Man. Webster, really? I wasn't allowed to watch He-Man all the time, though, because Skeletor... Had a ram's head on a stick and oh really a, yeah <laughs> oh so so mom felt that. like that's satanic. that's satanic yeah I cut it off but hey, man but then but well, Shira was fine <laughs> yeah I don't even remember I don't think I had a desire to watch that one okay. not at three four or five years old or oh no no I got it maybe in my teens and I wanted to watch Shira <laughs> <laughs> but yeah those were those are good I remember all, all those things yeah I remember war games I had a Commodore sixty four and we used to have a way to dial out right using Mm. this thing called a modem Mm -hmm. and it was like 2600 baud which could get like a picture down in four hours so anyway i had it faked to look like i broke into the school like they do in war games and changed my grade and i had my mom believing that i was doing it and she's like change it back change it back and i because i created i i was bored i guess so i created a whole (laughs) screen with that looked like i was into the school you know boop 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 that i went i was like look look look, mom little hacker c a (laughs) done i didn't physically break in anywhere but it was fun to do that anyhow uh yeah vacation obviously huge movie return of the jedi i'm a star wars nerd so all of that is uh, amazing, although I wasn't a big fan of the Ewoks. No, no. The, no. I like the Ewoks. Do you? I'm not a big Star Wars fan, but I do remember Ewoks and appreciating those guys. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> they were just like mini Wookiees. They were supposed to be like these big, fearsome creatures, and they turned out to be these yeah, little teddy bears. Cute, yeah, cute little bears <laughs> with weapons. There you go. And that's all you need is cute little bears with weapons. Mm-hmm. Well, we're drinking two really different things today. We're starting out with Heaven's Door, double-barreled whiskey, which is Bob Dylan's whiskey. It looks very, I guess, amber-colored or something like that. Looks very whiskey-y. I smell like vanilla custard on it. Maybe maybe some berries and, uh, I don't know, like uh, popcorn almost. Hmm. Taste? I taste dark chocolate. Maybe a little butterscotch. Some oh, yeah. spice of some sort. Butterscotch and spice for sure. And some oak. Yeah, I was going to say it's it's sweet on the nose, but it's um, 100 proof, right? So kind of gets you. But um, it's a different kind of sweet. It's not like the usual vanilla, like average whiskey sweetness. But yeah, yeah I think butterscotch, you, you nailed it when you said that. 
And on the back end, that kind of almost tastes like I'm having one of those like British cookies or just that it kind of finishes on the end like I'm having some sort of mm. like a sugar cookie. Yeah. That's what it kind of tastes like at the end for me. <laughs> maybe maybe a little graham crackery, but something like that. Anyway, not to bore you guys with that stuff. And the other thing we're going to be drinking a little bit later, and we'll talk about that later when we open that up. <laughs> we're going to be drinking something as exotic. <laughs> Paps Blue Ribbon Hard Coffee, which is 5% alcohol by volume. We'll see. It has caffeine in it, so that can yeah. probably help later on. So instead of a coffee, we'll have some Paps Blue Ribbon Hard Coffee. Look at PBR trying to get uh, interesting, changing it up a little <laughs> there bit. There you go. Mm-hmm. They're, they're going to be a premium brand mm-hmm. by the time we're like in rocking chairs. Anyway, before we begin, we'll be critically reviewing specific songs from 1983, and we'll share under 20 seconds of each tune, unless there is a specific issue or criticism that we may need to highlight, and then we may do a second clip. We have made Apple Music and Spotify playlists. Just search Official Dirty Dozen on either service to listen to each of our lists in their entirety. This way, the money for playing tunes will always head back to each artist. We have created a current episode Dirty Dozen podcast playlist, which will automatically update with each podcast to the current podcast. So subscribe once and always be updated. And look for the link to our YouTube playlist as well, especially with this 80s stuff. This music is MTV music. Yeah. So... You kind of have to see it. Look for the link. It's at the bottom of our sheet. It says YouTube playlists. Click on that and you can see all of those wonderful videos from MTV when they used to play videos. Yeah, that's a good point. This was the era when every one of these songs I have like a visual associated to it. So it was just different than today's music, you know? Yeah, I think most of my songs have a music video, not all of them. But there's videos you can get of all my songs. Mm-hmm. So Jake, let's just jump into 1983. Okay. Back when you were... Three. So, Jake's three, so you you have to remember 1983. There's yeah, bits and pieces, I'm sure. Bits and pieces, mostly yeah. blocks and candy. <laughs> yeah, Legos. <laughs> but I do remember MTV. It's kind of funny because I have early memories of some of these videos because it was just on TV, and I think I just was around it and captivated by it. So, yeah, just because I was young, I still, though, have these same memories associated to it. Nice. Yeah. Okay, Jake, what's your song of note? I went with a band that I really like that I was surprised to see that their first album came out in 83, and it's the Violent Femmes. And I didn't go with Blister in the Sun, the obvious one. I went with Gone, Daddy, Gone. I always loved Gordon Gano's songwriting, kind of like a simplistic approach. And he's a bad singer, but I wouldn't change that because it kind of fits with just their sound. Yeah, I mean, that's not what they go for. They go for artsy and quirky. Yeah, it's kind of the folk punk weird mashup. I also really appreciated he writes really dark songs with kind of happy sounds so it's like the clash between the two but there's a cool xylophone solo in it so that's always a plus like i said i like gordon he's actually uh, a christian and wrote you can even hear some of the old fems albums there's like a lot of spirituals that he wrote like kiss off was a very spiritual song yeah well that's what i always thought was weird it's like there's this, this stuff this side of it and this stuff and it kind of just he threw it in there he doesn't care you know it all it all worked for them and even had a Christian band, Mercy Seat, that really? he's, uh, yeah, they started oh, okay. a side thing too. So he's just an interesting dude. And I always thought the band was really interesting. So this is one of my favorite songs of theirs, and it's on that album. Okay, cool. Let's listen to Gone Daddy Gone by the Violent Femmes off of the Violent Femmes album, Jake's Song Note. So good. No, that's a great song, man. 
the yeah. Violent Femmes. Come on. So good. Rocking out on the xylophone. Yeah, I think the xylophone needs to be a part of every major rock band. I every. agree. And a horn section. Yes. So let's go to the good stuff after the, whatever mm-hmm. Jake's throwing at you. <laughs> My song of note. I always liked the vibe of this song. It has a lot of movement. It's by a band that really didn't have any other popular songs in the 80s. They were more of a 70s band. The band is called Slade. And the song that I've always liked, for really not a lot of reasons, but I've always liked, <laughs> it's called Run, Run Away. Naughty Holder, who does the lead vocals for Slade, he says, we decided to go in and put a sort of rock beat behind an old Scottish jig. And that's what this song is. It hit number 20 on the top 100, so it isn't completely out of the realm of inclusion, but I said no on the 12, but yes on my song of note. And I don't know if Jake has even heard the Amazing Kamikaze Syndrome album, which Run Run Away is on, but uh, I think you're going to appreciate it. I, I, yeah, I don't know what it is until I hear it. I might, I might not, though. No, <laughs> you like it. Let's listen to Run Run Away by Slade. What do you think? Nice. I don't think I don't know if I've ever heard that. It sounds familiar, but it might just be because it has that jig kind that of Irish, sort of feel, uh, yeah, yeah. bar pub kind of feel. I remember listening to that. It was out, I guess, in '83 or '84, yeah. or around this time. And I remember hearing that on the radio, and I was like, "That's so different. That's kind of cool." I got, I love the big open guitar notes, right? Like, yeah. it's not surprised to anybody at this bombastic point. drums and all that energy. Yeah, yeah it's cool. A lot of toms, and although it's probably all digital, but still it's so cool yeah. it's kind of cool so anyway Good that pick. was my song note so jake what is your number 12 all right well moving in i'm going with number 12 a song by the greg kin band this song is called jeopardy oh okay i don't know many greg kin songs other than the the breakup song we used to cover that in the the bar band that i was in but i just remember hearing this one and it, it, this one kind of stays with you even if you don't know who it is because i didn't really for a long time you know you've heard it and you at least dig it a little bit. Yeah, it's a bit funky, has good groove, felt good and should be in the list. Not high, but it's got to work its way in there. Yeah, for me, the only reason I know this song is because Weird Al Yankovic did a cover. It says, I, I lost on Jeopardy. Oh, lost. I thought you said I won at Jeopardy. Yeah, I lost on oh, Jeopardy. Okay. It's like, hey, Al. You don't get to come back tomorrow. You don't even get a lousy copy of our home game. You're a complete loser. <laughs> you know, a lot of stuff I think is. Weird Al's made a lot of other songs popular just because he's put attention put on it. it. Yeah. I only know the song after I said, what song is that based off and of? And you went and back, went back to the original? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Funny. So anyway, let's listen to Jeopardy by the Great Kin Band. <laughs> Yeah, no regrets. No, love the uh, the bass in there too. It's it's hidden, but it's some good funky. Oh stuff. no, it's yeah. definitely got that vibe going. Yeah. yeah, as funky as Greg gets. Yeah, I can't imagine he's doing some uh, Parliament songs or something. No. <laughs> but it's funny. A song like this did well. He should maybe go that direction more. Okay, 
My number 12 is some of the founding fathers of rock and roll, a band called the Rolling Stones, came out with an album mm. called Undercover. And I love this song. And the name of the song is Undercover of the Night is my number 12. The guitar hits with the chord changes that Keith does always kind of pulls me in. He's got really good licks and kind of fills that he does to the song. There's not a lot of chord changes in the song, but the bass and percussion, the percussion you really like in the song are crazy good. And there's even sections that sound like machine gun fire. It's about Central America and political corruption and people being executed. This was at a time when Mick and Keith weren't getting along at all. Needless to say, they were really battling about how to do this and how to be a band. And Keith still wanted some of the spotlight. He didn't want Mick to have everything, even though this was like his song. Mm-hmm. When he went to the video, they had this big storyline about urban revolution and dramatized the notion of Keith and Mick really not liking each other by having Keith kill Mick in the video. <laughs> and the director never thought they would do it. And of course, they loved it. Then they went to Paris and met with the band. Keith was suddenly looking particularly unhappy. And the director tells this pretty good story. He was glaring at me with almost a menaceful look. And he eventually said, come downstairs with me. So my producer and I went downstairs to the men's room. And Keith had a walking stick. And all of a sudden, he pulled it apart. The next thing I know, he's holding a sword stick to my throat. And he says, I want to be in the video more than I am. <laughs> so we wrote his part up a bit. <laughs> By threat. By threat. As the director said, that's Keith's idea of collaboration. But imagine that happening, how crazy that is. And this video actually got banned for being too violent. There's an execution in the video. It's pretty much down and dirty South America drug running contrast at the time, which is why it was sort of political. Yeah. MTV eventually aired it in an edited version that can only be aired after 9 p.m. Needless to say, I had to watch this thing that was being banned <laughs> that I could watch after only of course, 9 p.m. Yeah, it's the allure. <laughs> so all of a sudden, this hit number eight on the Billboard charts. Mm. But it's really no wonder this was popular. So here's my number 12, Undercover of the Night by the Rolling Stones. number 12 cool a lot of percussion there it sounds like the stones but it doesn't it's really well done and to your point it's not at all like the stuff that you would hear from them in the 60s and early 70s no. yeah so <laughs> i just totally remember waiting up and watching the video you can watch the full video now on youtube mm-hmm. so when you check our youtube playlist you'll see the full video as yeah. it was originally envisioned right i gotta see that one yeah definitely check the playlist out but on my 11 another video song i tried to get the whiskey that goes along with the song but Evidently, Mm. you can't buy Rebel Yell anymore, at least where we are in California. So uh, Rebel Yell by Billy Idol off a Rebel Yell album is my number 11. Just tell me that it's on your list. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, it's 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 definitely on your list. I love Steve Stevens' guitar work. Billy Idol's voice is so iconic. Mm. Elvis meets sort of Jim Morrison. I love his aggressive voice, so biting. And when he's softer, not as much, I think. But it's a great song. And it's an okay bourbon. (laughs) (laughs) Right? I was going to say, it's not the greatest bourbon I've had before. It's like bottom shelf or just above. Yeah, It is. You can get like a uh, a nice size one for 20 bucks, maybe. Mm -hmm. Billy Idol got the title of the song from the bourbon itself. He was at an event where Mick Jagger, Keith Richards, and Ron Wood of the Rolling Stones, we just talked about. Good segue. 
were taking swigs of Rebel Yell straight from the bottle, and it gave him the idea for the title. He wrote the song with Steve Stevens, and I just love Steve Stevens generally. He comes up totally. with guitar sounds that's so unique. Uh, the ray gun effect he used in the solo, he used a digital delay processor to do it. And then later on, he wanted to get a more distinctive sound. He actually used a toy ray gun to get it. He was trying to do all these technical things that he just figured out. It was like, oh, we just use one of these. And he had like a kid's toy ray gun. Oh, that's cool. I love that. To get that. And uh, he was able to hold it to his pickups and generate some strange sounds. Oh, so he did that. So his ray gun guitar became the most popular spots of his concert. <laughs> hit number 46 in the u.s but it was number six in the uk it was a big song it was a big song on mtv it was mm-hmm. a big song around the world mm-hmm. and it really made billy idol just made him stand out so billy idol is my number 11 rebel yell it's one of the greatest hard rock songs ever really nobody doesn't dig this song when you hear it you know it's heavy catchy killer solo like i said steve stevens amazing then you know the whole album had a little bit of a, that new wavy kind of vibe but this one was still more rock with just a little smidge of the new wave yeah let's hear it All right, let's listen to my number 11. Throw your fists in the air. Rebel Yell off the Rebel Yell album by Billy Idol. Good tune, huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine it's higher on your list. Yeah, that's much okay. higher. <laughs> I was gonna say I'm curious to see how this all works out because even if it makes the list, it's gonna have like fluctuations on where it actually lands. And right, yeah, you think it's it'd fun. be one place and it's the other. Yeah. But as I said, if it's on the list at all at this point, because there are so many songs right. that deserve to be on this list. Yeah, that's that, what I was gonna say. The the list, like if it made it to it, they're all almost number ones, really, when it comes down to it. Yeah. Except for this one, this is a number 11. (laughs) All right, Jake, what's your number 11? All right, keeping with the earworm theme here, I'm going with something that I don't think you like, but we'll see. It's a band called Duran Duran. Okay. Maybe your wife likes this more than you do. My wife is a huge Duran Duran fan. There are some Duran Duran songs that I like, and there were some that I thought about putting on this. Okay, good. But I did not, but it was close. Yeah, I imagine. Because it's 1983, Duran Duran has an album out with some good songs, it's... It should make the the list here. So I went with uh, The Reflex. I just have an appreciation for Duran Duran because they have those infectious melodies, real catchy, hooky stuff, you know. And this song is a good example of it. It's definitely on my Duran Duran mixtape that I made years ago. So it's on the mixtape, people. It made it. (laughs) Yeah, Simon LeVon said that he had no clue what it means, the song. No idea. Not surprised. He just came up with it after drinking a bottle of wine. (laughs) <laughs> and it's like the reef oh, that sounds that sounds good that, that's my Simon the Bong and it'll be like that sounds good it almost sounds like yeah, you gotta get actually, little... actually that's more like Bono <laughs> if Bono was Simon the Bong and the Bono Simon and Simon the Bong had a kid Simon the Bono yeah that's a mashup <laughs> oh. uh, and Nick Rhodes was convinced the reflex was purely an album track and other band members thought that it had potential and Nile Rodgers remixed it and they decided to use it as a single and it became their first number yeah. one single in the US. And this is off The Seven and The Ragged Tiger, mm-hmm. which is actually about them recording the album. It's the band members, the audio engineers, everybody who's in that building because they went off site to record it. 
and everybody was in there. That's the seven and the ragged tiger was the producer. <laughs> ah, clever. So anyway, yeah, it's just a little minor thing. Let's listen to the reflex. Duran, Duran. My wife will perk up wherever she is. Duran, Duran. Okay, it's the reflex, Duran Duran. It is. It's actually a good song. It I, is. I like a lot of Duran Duran, as weird as that sounds. They have some good stuff. It's much like uh, almost in excess Yeah, of, I was going to say. Type of vibe. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I agree on the in excess thing, too. I mean, I think in excess is a better band, but they still have some of the same kind of sounds that they're working with, and it's, it's obviously a product of the era, so it's going to be familiar with that, too. But And I think Duran Duran gets a little pushback because they're pretty boys. All the girls <laughs> love them, and... The guys, when all the girls love a certain band, they're like, oh, I can't listen to that. <laughs> and, you know, because I'm not going to win that contest. I'm not going to look like Simon LeBron. Yeah. So, so you, I'd rather go to Metallica so concert and bring it to a Metallica yeah. concert. I could look like James Hetfield and do okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right. What's your number 10, my friend? Oh, okay. I'm up again. Okay, number 10. This one, speaking of videos, this is one of my earliest memories of, again, MTV being on this uh, video playing. And it actually kind of freaked me out. I don't think I've revisited this video again since then of why this scared me. This Eurythmics song, Sweet Dreams. Annie Lennox kind of like walking around the house in the dark. I don't know what it was. It's the red hair. It's the red hair. It might have been the boyish uh, red haircut that she had. But yeah, it's their signature song. Such a well-known song and uh, high on the list of those synth pop songs in general. So it had to be on this list and I felt like uh, 10's good spot. Once again, it's a song my wife loves, so two, mm-hmm. two for two there. <laughs> uh, Lennox said the song is about the search for fulfillment and that sweet dreams are the desire that motivates us. Misheard lyrics associated with it. Sweet dreams are made of cheese. Who am I to disagree? <laughs> I, I, I think that's a stretch. Somebody said it. There you go. Yeah. And the Eurythmics talked about it. So this is things coming from their mouths. So, oh, so, so they've heard it's this cheesy enough. Times. Yeah, these are some of the weird things they heard. And I travel the world in generic jeans. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Everybody's looking for something. <laughs> I don't know if that would be the first thing my ear would hear, but it's clever. You never know. It's as soon as you get that in your mind mm-hmm. and you listen to it, you're yeah. like, wait, maybe it does sound like that. It's like it the could. only thing you can. I don't hear know about anymore. the cheese thing, but the generic yeah, jeans, I think, it's a lot more. Uh, more if that's where your mind is, I yeah. Think, yeah, yeah. If you're fixated on generic jeans, <laughs> once again, the title song of the album, "Sweet Dreams." are made of this by the Eurythmics. Okay, that's Sweet Dreams are made of this. These are one of those moments when I'm like, oh, maybe that should have been higher on the list. I know, you get into the, when you start listening to it, yeah. like, that's a good song, but when, trust me, when you start listening to your number nine and number yeah, eight, you're like, oh, like, that's why. Oh, that was why. That's, Maybe that's, that's the good. whiskey talking. It could be. <laughs> you know, that makes you feel very effeminate and, <laughs> and liking all of the, Brings me the, back the chick songs. To when I was three. <laughs> I know, I'm sorry. <laughs> Remember when I was three? It reminds me of my favorite friend, Chucky the Bunny Bear. <laughs> I had Chucky the Bunny Bear, and I loved him so much. I love Chucky the Bunny Bear. Uh-oh. 
He had dreadlocks, and that's why I have dreadlocks today. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't even started oh, drinking too much yet. <laughs> oh, golly. All righty then. All righty then. All right. Um, my number 10 is from an album you already discussed. Hmm. It was named uh, The Artist. Violent Femmes, Violent Femmes. Oh, good, and good. it was the song. I was so glad you didn't hit. Blisters? <laughs> yeah, Blister in the Sun. I had to pick that one because that's the big hit off of it. Yeah. I liked the whole album. Yeah, yeah. And I remember going and later on, actually, probably in the late 80s and probably early 90s, actually, when I was able to go out to clubs and do that, they play that still. Mm-hmm. It was such a, such a big song. The... I don't know how I'm going to do this. Hold on a sec. Um, I have some clips that I'm going to play from the Violent Femmes talking about this. Instead of me talking about it, why don't we just hear from the people who did it? So hey, this is on. Gordon Gano. And I'm Brian Ritchie. We are Violent Femmes. I was in conversation with somebody. I was talking about the song and said, blah, 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 something about it. And then saying, well, you, you know, everyone knows what that's about. And I said... No, why don't, you, why don't you tell me what's what is this song about? And he said uh, masturbation, and I was really surprised. Was it about <laughs> sweat? Or... I think the technical term is wet dream. I wrote the song initially <laughs> thinking a woman was going to be singing it. Big hands, I know you're the one. I just thought of big hands because mine are small, so that's an opposite. The record company, in their genius decided that they wouldn't put Blister in the Sun out as a single because it didn't have a bass drum. Blister in the Sun was always our most popular song, but they didn't have have the brains to uh, release it as a single. Through a long process of word of mouth, playing the gigs, other people doing covers of it, radio stations going rogue and playing it anyway, even though the record company didn't want them to, it became a standard before it was a hit. Yeah, the hook is amazing. It's cool. The vocal delivery is just stunning. Like we said before, uh, Gano is just great. He was just 19 when this album was released. Mm -hmm. And the band broke up in 2007 and then it reformed in 2013 like they always do. It's more of (laughs) Gano having rights issues with with the band. It really started, he had the rights issues to the song. And he let Wendy's use it. And pissed the band off. (laughs) Good. It's not for royalties. It's just for letting him get extra money oh, selling yeah. out to corporations. Song, yeah. And it really annoyed the band. Just an iconic song from that time of my life. So let's yeah. listen to Blister in the Sun by the Violent Femmes. Please. we pretty much listened to the whole song so great i know but it, you have to and as a three-year-old that can hit you because <laughs> as he went down in volume you can picture your teacher going crouching a little bit lower a little bit lower a oh, little yeah. bit lower a little and bit lower exploding. and exploding yeah. off. that and is the- a very kindergarten kind of uh <laughs> tactic oh all right let's think of another huge album this year as my number nine it's the first metal album to hit number one by a band called Quiet Riot. 
The song is Come On Feel The Noise, of course, off of Metal Health. The drum hits build the song, easily identifiable. Had an interesting discussion with my 12-year-old daughter when I played this tune. <laughs> I had it playing in my car. I have a little screen. It had the name of the song on it. And she's like, Dad, why is come spelled differently? <laughs> I was like, oh, they're just trying to be funny, honey. Yeah, look how noise is spelled. They're just being silly. <laughs> Good recovery. I, I, yeah, unless she starts using that, I want to be funny conversation with her oh, teacher. Oh, yeah, I didn't think about that. It's one of those moments I don't know quite how to handle. <laughs> uh, the chorus uh, group sing-along is that it's pretty much at its best. Uh, Carlos Tavizo delivers a great solo in this song. I love it a lot. Uh, this song was originally done by Slade, which is the band... Going back mm-hmm. to my song of note, in 1973, Debro died of a drug overdose in 2007 at 52, who's the lead singer of Quiet Riot, and Benelli just died in yeah. 2020, just like, uh, I guess, last month. Yeah, I feel like it was maybe a couple weeks. So, Good anyway, day. come on, feeling noise, Quiet Riot, my number nine. Yeah, it's funny at the time. We kind of changed from Girls Rock Your Boys. I remember singing it as a kid. We changed the lyrics a little bit. <laughs> what do you mean? I don't know. It's, it's, it has something to do with the name of the song, I think. Anyway, my Riot. A lot of people involved with that band passed. It's sad. Yeah. yeah from Randy Rhodes to whatever. Yeah. And Randy Rhodes That's right. started the band, right? Yep, yep. Anyway, let's move on to your number nine. What's your number nine? Okay, my number nine. Spando Ballet. When, uh, yeah, right. <laughs> When I was preparing for this podcast, this song kept getting stuck in my head a lot. Okay. Um, when I'm at the, like the grocery store, and I was like, "Man, I, I need to uh, put this in here, though." And it, it was on my kind of maybe list, but I had quickly kind of pushed it up because of that reason. But it's by Genesis, and the song I picked was "That's All." It's one of those things where it's just it's too catchy right off the bat with the the piano, the hook there, and Phil Collins' voice is always just so good. So, song kind of speaks for itself. That's all is, it's just catchy and mm-hmm. I kind of like it. It seems like it should be in a, uh, I don't know. I Ever since they did the Tarzan movie, well, Phil Collins Phil did the Collins, Tarzan yeah. movie for, for Disney. I'm like, uh-huh. does it sound a little Disney? Is that, could that work? <laughs> Maybe. That could be a soundtrack from uh, Freaky Friday. <laughs> Freaky. <laughs> I'm thinking like, the, you know, like the teenage, that's all. Oh, anyway. <laughs> Probably. Uh, it well, could work. Let's just go ahead and listen to uh, Genesis, That's All, off of, what's the album on this one? Sorry. Just Genesis. Really? It's, yeah. it's so funny. Like, they've been around for 50 years. Yeah, and they, like, and they uh, have to go and name their- I can't be bothered with thinking of another title, so just name it after the band. Wow. Okay. <clears throat> Lazy. So, let's listen to That's All, <laughs> off of Genesis, Genesis. so tasty no nah, it's good great um composition too like you don't hear a snare drum hit until when it jumps in the second verse to kind of build that that tension the dynamic and the second chorus then is like doubled vocals so it's like these things that kind of the little tricks to uh yeah. 
to build that in. They're kind of known for that, kind yeah. of building the song over yeah. and over. And, and you as it may not even up. pick up on it, but it's happening and you're feeling it. Good song. Bye. Genesis. So, Jake, now that we have a good song by Genesis, <laughs> let's listen to a good song by somebody else. What's your number eight? Okay, my number eight, song by David Bowie off of the Let's Less nice. Pants album. You probably agree. It's just an important song. It's so well-known. It's timeless funk rock feel, but it's mixed with Bowie's weirdness. Mm-hmm. And then you got to love the Steve Ray Vaughan solo at the Steve end, Steve Ray right? Vaughan. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the whole story with him. And we did a Steve Ray Vaughan mm-hmm. podcast. Just check out. It's on episode number 25 of the podcast if you want to listen to it. And we talk a little bit about the song, actually, yeah, on that podcast. It came up. It's good to get Steve Ray Vaughan in the 80s somehow. I somehow missed him all the way. And here we are. Same. He's part of the David Bowie entourage, if you will. So weird. Doesn't make sense, but uh, the whole thing happened. is he was supposed to get underbilling on the tour, and then they started Walshing on him, and he just yeah. left. But he was supposed to go on tour with David Bowie, and everybody thought that he was nuts for not doing that. Well, maybe life would have been different. I don't know. You know, sorry, I'm sorry for getting melancholy there. <laughs> Boo! Boo! Melancholy! Those melons are collie. <laughs> <laughs> All right, <laughs> let's listen to "Let's Dance" by David Bowie. Let's just go and fast forward a little bit. I just want to get a little bit of the Steve Ray Vaughan goodness here. Okay, that's Let's Dance by David Bowie. It's interesting that Niles Rogers was really involved with that. He produced this track, and he also produced the disco band Chic. Yeah. So that kind of got a little of that vibe. Niles Rogers said in an interview that a lot of people think this is about dancing with a lover or dancing with that, but he goes, there's a lot more to it than that. He goes, when David wrote those lyrics, he was talking about life. He was talking about the dance that people do in life, a conceptual dance of not being honest. He sings, you put on your red shoes and dance the blues, meaning you're pretending to be happy, but you're really sad inside and you really don't want to tell Hmm. anybody about it. So it's like this darker side of depression and not being able to come out with that in discussion. So it's a lot deeper than you would think. I had no idea. Yeah. So it's let's dance. Hey, let's just dance. Right. Because because you're really sad and you're you're dancing the blues. And that's why Steve Ray Vaughan was involved with it. And that's why Mm. it all fit with what he was trying to get conceptually. That's heavy. Yeah. So, thank you for putting it on there. One of us had to. I know. <laughs> All right. My number eight is from a band that split up after this album was released. The band is called The Police. The album is called Synchronicity. Good. And the song is Every Breath You Take, okay. which is the one you kind of have to put on there. Sting's voice coupled with the guitar arpeggiation really made the song for me. The funny thing is, it's probably one of the most misinterpreted songs ever. People actually use this as a wedding song. People start doing it. It's right. really about a stalker, the, right? About it's a stalker <laughs> who's, but it sounds like a love song. I mean, it is, but it's just a little. Uh... Sting said, <laughs> I think it's a nasty little song and it's rather evil. It's about jealousy and surveillance and ownership. Hmm. And I watched Andy Gibbs singing it with some girl on TV a couple weeks ago. This is Sting talking. Well, this is me talking, quoting Channeling Sting, Sting from the grave alive. Sting's alive. Yeah, he's alive. <laughs> That's I was like, in the grave alive. I'm like, what? <laughs> what? Did I miss Pre-death. something? 
I watched Andy Gibbs sing singing it with some girl on, the t- on TV a couple of weeks ago. Very lovely and misinterpreting it. I could hear still hear the words, which I don't about love at all. I pissed myself while laughing. And Sting wrote it after separating from his first wife. So and he started watching her, and it was kind of weird. And they were really at each other's throat during this. And even if oh, they yeah. start talking Bam. about synchronicity, like you talk to each one of the members and they were the star of it. Like Andy Summers, the guitarist, he goes, without the guitar part in there, there's no song. I actually came up with it in one take. That's because Sting's demo was lame and it just had a mm-hmm. lot of space and some empty organs. It sounded like some prog piece from the 70s. Oh. But I took it and made it a police song. <laughs> and it used to be everybody contributed writing. And all of a sudden, it was just Sting coming yeah. in with demos cut that he cut, and he's giving you, you go play. It, it felt that way, because if you listen to Sting's solo stuff after this, it doesn't have that the reggae influence that a lot of the early police albums had. This is the first one to not have that, so yeah, you could tell that he kind of commandeered the ship. Yeah, and well, he started making successful songs, really. Mm-hmm. When you you start being a hit maker, yeah. and you get the producer behind you. Yep, your powerhouse. This is the actual biggest hit of 1983, according to Billboard's year-end I chart. It. It's number one. It stayed at number one for eight weeks, longer than any other song that year. It won two Grammys, Song of the Year and Best Pop Song. So, oh, interesting. Sting wrote this song on the same desk in Jamaica where Ian Fleming wrote the James Bond movie, the James <laughs> Bond novels. Yeah, because he went to Jamaica right after his uh, divorce to like. Yeah, and he stayed at free his he, mind he stayed and... at Goldeneye, which is Ian uh, Fleming's estate. Oh, weird. So just kind of a weird thing, and that's where the Goldeneye James Bond movie comes from. Yeah, because that was never a book; they used it as something that was Ian Fleming-ish. And I'm sorry, I'm a bit of a Bond nerd here. <laughs> Go figure. I, there's there's Star Wars and Bond, and that's pretty much it. And GoldenEye is the best Nintendo 64 game. Yes, that was fantastic. <laughs> I remember playing that with my parents. Just get, yeah. Everybody would just, just sit and Every play that. Every age group wants to play that game to yeah. this day. No, we no. even play with the kids. Yeah, it's, it's a good time. Oh, it's so good. I, have, I miss that game. Yeah. All right. So <laughs> <laughs> back, back to Sting. This Nintendo quarter is brought yeah. to you by Joyas. Joyas, the... <laughs> Best joystick in the world. That's right. Joyous. <laughs> All right. Uh, back to our regular scheduled program. Yeah. Hey, Jake. Have you ever tried that Joyous? <laughs> it's wonderful. This, I'm just making this up, by the way. All I can right. tell. I know you can tell. I just want to make sure people actually think we're... we're this, yeah, this is not We're covering Joyous. <laughs> the Nintendo 64 controller for you. <laughs> All right. Anyway, let's listen to Every Breath You Take by, can I say it? Police, yeah. The police. Everybody take yeah the police it's, it's funny you know, like you said it's it's creepy lyrics but it's just such a smooth song and the sting sting sings it in his stingy voice that it's just like you don't catch pick up on all that kind of creepiness agreed right, right. so the next song is another song that i just love and it was a 
83 song for me. This song was by a band I didn't know. After this song, I didn't know anymore. It was a one-song, heavy-rotation MTV song about smooth politicians. And the guitar and drums at the beginning are huge. Wait, what it's number by, is this? This is number seven. Okay. It's The Fix. That's my number seven. It's your number seven? Yeah. Yay! Hooray! We match. We match for the first time. Wow. What a bizarre song to match on. <laughs> it's from an album called Reach the Beach. I thought when I threw this in here, I'd be the only one. You'd be like, oh, okay, whatever. No, this was just such a killer song. Cool. I always kind of loved it. When this year came up, this is one of those songs I'm like, when was that song? Mm-hmm. I know I love that song. Where was it? And the, there it was. One thing leads to another is the song. Cy Kernan says it deals with smooth politicians. If you're going to be a liar, you better be a darn good liar. Remember what you said. And the whole thing is about to get pear-shaped if you don't. And that was 30 years ago. And look where the system is now. A lot of people stand on ballot boxes and say a lot of things and lie in order to get elected and do nothing. So this is one of those songs I'm pretty proud of. Great song. What's your yeah. thought? Yeah, it's it's funny because it's, it's not like the biggest English new wave band, right? That's why I thought it'd be just kind of obscure to throw this in here. But um, this song has always been one that I really liked. And it's incredibly catchy, so... Yeah, and it's over-the-top beat, the vocal delivery, the guitar groove. You know, it's just everything in this song. And once yeah. again, it's like big open chords. Mm-hmm. It's pretty much the story of my 80s life. <laughs> anyway, let's listen to our number seven. There we go. One thing leads to another, which is just so weird we matched. Okay. <laughs> Good segue. Let's listen. One thing leads to another. Let me read this for a second. Then it's easy to believe someone's been lying to me. But when the wrong word goes in the right ear, mm-hmm. I know that you've been lying to me. It's getting rough off the cuff. I've got to say enough's enough. The bigger, the harder he falls. But when the wrong antidote is like a bulge in the throat, you run for cover in the heat. Why don't they do what they say? Say what they do. Yeah. But it's really good. It's pretty much truth by a lot of politicians. Yeah. Jake, what's your number six? Uh, I think it's funny because you had the police earlier, and that's my number six. Okay. But my song is King of Pain. Okay. I thought about this song, actually. Yeah. It's a great tune. I think the other ones are, are really good. Like, I'm glad that you put in every breath you take, but I feel like when I hear them, they're they're not played out, but I just get tired of them. But this one just feels fresh to me still and just as catchy. This album is their most successful release with some really big hits. But yeah, the song just feels better to me than the others so King i of remember this when it came out you know all of that great lyrics i don't know why it hit me so much when i was younger hmm. um it it was just one of those songs that caught me you know there's a little black spot on yeah, the sun on today yeah. that's a pretty heavy lyric yeah you know it's like life is bright except for this black part that's really pissing me off and really making my life bad. Mm. And this little black spot on the sun today. And it, yeah, it's it's pretty heavy, I thought. And he goes, uh, Sting, when he was talking, he said, that's my soul up there. Yeah. That's the darkness. Because it was after his, yeah. his divorce. And yeah, he was in that kind of slump in Jamaica. And, and I think, yeah, the story goes that he kind of just made that comment looking at the sun, pointing at it, and wrote wrote it down later for a lyric. Yeah, and there's xylophone in it again. Oh, what do you know? Here's hey. another xylophone song. 
<laughs> Two out of 12, this is probably the only time it'll happen. I know. Uh, 1983 was the year of the xylophone. <laughs> Thank you. I'm Cy Sterling of Xylophones Incorporated. Come down. Come down. The xylophones are us. Buy your xylophone. You need to play those songs. You got to learn. You got to learn. We have the big xylophone, the little xylophone. You want 12 chime xylophone? We got them. 48. We got them. 152. We got them. And the new double 152 xylophone for only $1,800. That's Come it? down to Cy Sterling's Xylophone Emporium. How many easy installments? I don't know, <laughs> but you get this little ginsu knife when you come. <laughs> Sign me up. This is Cy Sterling for <laughs> Xylophone Incorporated. All right. Uh, anyway. QVC. <laughs> All right. This uh, bleibin is going into me already. I'm meaning some <laughs> coffee to take the edge off. Oh, yeah, in a is minute. it time? Let's open these other two. PBR hard coffee. Here All right. Go. Let's listen. Here's listen to the clip. That sounds like breakfast in the morning. <laughs> oh, that's a good Forget idea. Starbucks. Yeah. Grab a Pop PBR. <laughs> when you just wake up in your trailer, you need coffee, but you need some hair of the dog. Alcoholic? Need some coffee? We got some for you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Whoa, buddy. All right. Speaking of King of Pain, that's actually the slogan for PBR coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Let's write him a letter and uh, yeah, maybe we can pitch this. There's a Marketing. little black spot in the can today. <laughs> <laughs> oh, golly. All right. Let's listen to King of Pain off of Synchronicity by the police. This is Jake's number six. Okay, that's King of Pain. Yeah. Speaking of King of Pain, I'm opening King of Pain, PBR mm-hmm. coffee. Now let's let's get it for a smell. It smells like. What does it smell like? Chocolate milk. It smells like chocolate milk. <laughs> maybe a little of a little mustiness. Maybe like a malt. It it's super sweet. Is it? Okay, it doesn't I'm gonna, taste. I'm like... gonna taste it. I'm going. I'm going for the. I'm going for the mouth feel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're you're giving it too much credit. It it tastes like YooHoo. Is what it tastes uh, like. To, that's what it tastes like to me. It's alcoholic that's YooHoo. An, an accurate. Uh, doesn't it doesn't it taste like that? I was gonna say it would be good if you could turn this into a White Russian. Maybe make it a little bit harder. It almost tastes like the Starbucks canned mm-hmm. coffee. Sugary, sweet, yeah, yeah. the thin bottles. Mm-hmm. So it's like that plus alcohol. So I guess yeah. it, and there's some caffeine in it. So. That may help us be awake for the end of this episode. <laughs> well, not that we need to. It's maybe it won't. I don't know. It's. I, I'm sorry. I was sleeping. I don't know what happened. Mm-hmm. It was crazy. All right. I like Carrie the platypus. All right. <laughs> don't mind me. Okay. My number six is from a podcast that we've already done. Okay. The name of the album is Uh Huh. It's by John Mellencamp, mm. and the song is Pink Houses, is the one I went with. Love that song. I always love that strumming acoustic songs. It's catchy. I never really took it as an anti-American song 
regardless of what he mm. intended it to be. I sort of took it that everybody can just find their way in the USA, no matter who you are, and you can find your own success. And he took it as like, that guy thinks he's successful, but he's not. But I think that success is where you find it. Yep. What makes you happy? In the first verse, the black man's sitting on a lawn chair, just watching the road. Mm-hmm. And Mellencamp said he wasn't sure if the man should be pitied because he was desolate or admired because he was happy. Right. Yeah. Middle America, just simple life. There's something to be said about it. And, and if it's... you like John Mellencamp and you like the song, episode five, this is going back a long five. ways. Yeah. John Whoa. Mellencamp was the impetus that was for us five? changing our structure here. If you remember, we had done our top 12 podcast, the first four episodes on five, I think we actually did it with Mellencamp, that we went through every album and we said, oh, what about this album? Mm-hmm. Do you yeah, like... Do you got anything on this got one? got anything yeah. on this one? And is any of your top 12 in this album? And yeah, we talked about the album, right. so we moved all the way through, which worked for the first couple. You know, Faith the More, whatever, seven mm-hmm. albums, eight albums. But yeah, someone like Mellencamp, there's but, but Mellencamp, way too many albums. 23 albums. Yeah. So it was like, oh, we can't do it this way anymore. <laughs> but if you want to see the birth of... The Dirty Dozen podcast in the current format. If you want to get into John Mellencamp, it's actually been a pretty popular podcast. Check it out, episode number five. Let's listen to Pink Houses, John Cougar Mellencamp, my number six song of That's my number six. Pink houses. Good off of, too. Uh-huh. I love it. All right. So I guess I'm still going here. My number five is off of one of the iconic albums of 83 in my mind. It's a jam band out of San Francisco that was very poppy to some degree. But I love Huey Lewis's story, how he used to start busking in San Francisco and touring around Europe and hitchhiking through Europe and finding gigs. And his whole story is really not as clean cut as he appears to be. Mm -mm. And he's just this great solo artist and jamming artist. Uh, I want a new drug. (laughs) That's my number number five. five. That's my number five. There we go. (laughs) Off of sports album. (laughs) I always love the motorcycle guitar sound panning in the beginning. I really love the fills and the main riff smartly highlighted verse with like that 80 sounding keyboard stabs <laughs> Huey just has this distinct voice the sax works great in the solo followed by mm. the guitar solo which is really thought out and uh, fits really well musically they had the big deal with the song was that he got into issues with Ray Parker Jr. who stole this melody for Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters yeah. and they had this lawsuit it's funny though that in the solo for I Want a New Drug they use part of Purple Haze. Hmm. He goes in the Purple Haze for a second in the solo. I don't know if he ever gave the Hendrix Foundation any money for that. So. <laughs> Which is just Deathful. funny. So, go ahead. You got? Yeah, well, uh, quit taking my, I'm my sorry. number <laughs> songs. <laughs> no, I think it's really cool that we picked so many of the same ones. But for this one, it was hard to pick a song off of this album because it's a great album and one of the greatest American rock bands. Huey Lewis is uh, just a bad dude. So I went with this song also. I don't know why. It just stuck out to me as the one that was like, yeah, this one needs to be represented. Great horn parts, I always say. There needs to be more horns in rock bands. It's just that solid, catchy chorus. So yeah, good album, great song. 
So let's listen to I Want a New Drug. Don't sing Ghostbusters to it. All right. <laughs> so let's take a listen to both of our number fives. We're going to just match the rest of the way. It's going to be crazy. I think. All right. Yeah, that bass line is so Ghostbusters. Yeah, I know. Well, yeah, that's why the issue. Yeah. And it's funny that, first of all, Ray Parker Jr. was paying Huey Lewis, but they had a non-disclosure, and then Huey Lewis told Rolling Stone that they had this contract, and so Ray Parker Jr. sued Huey Lewis for breaking breach mm-hmm. of contract. So anyway, that's this whole crazy thing. I digress. <clears throat> we made it match on number five. Yeah, so two matches. Wow. So it, we switch over. This way I get to do two every time. And you That's only get to do one. Like. <laughs> Is it my turn yet? <laughs> okay, Jake, what's your number five? Oh, we know what your number five is. Moving on. What's your number four? Okay, my number four from a band called Yes. This one I knew right away was going to be high. I just didn't know where it would be. But it's a hit from a prog rock band that doesn't sound very progressive here in this one at least. It's got hard rock sound with some of the cool synth support in there, but it's all about the bridge with the beat breakdown and the solo. So I went with, obviously, Owner of a Lonely Heart, I think is probably the, the song that you would go with as well. Yes. In doing a little bit of research, I learned that the guitar player wrote it on the toilet one morning, and then the band developed it later on. Was he going in number the, one or number two? Yeah. If you're <laughs> sitting down and you're a dude, you're probably number two in it. <laughs> Once you've been hurt, loneliness is better than a broken heart. That's kind of where this is going at. This is the group's only number one hit at all. Alan White recalled the recording of the drum part. He said, I started with a full drum kit. Then the producer said, take Alan's toms away. So I had a bass and a snare, a hi-hat and cymbals. And then they took the cymbals away. And I was playing along with the track. And then they took the hi-hat away. I'm like, wait a minute, guys. And then we layered all the stuff on top of it. Oh. So they they played it once through with one, and then they kept taking things out, and he kept playing with less and less and less. But they played with everything, and they recorded every, right. with everything, and then so was playing with themselves, but yeah, with uh, less each less, time. Yeah, and that, that's what "On hmm. a Lonely Heart" ends up. You end up playing with yourself as a drummer. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense, really. Yeah, uh, it's from the album nine zero one two five. Was that my zip code? Yeah, I guess so. It's somebody's zip code. I'm, I'm sure that's where that's from. Beverly Hills, 901253624. So let's listen to Owner of a Lonely Heart by Yes. That's Owner of a Lonely Heart. Jake's so good. Number four. Mm-hmm. And like some of the, I love some of the fills in that. Like they had the, the keyboard stabs, which are always great. But yeah. then they had the, the bass come in and do a bass run. Yeah. Yeah. Those are like weird great. little, this song is full of those little, like you got half a second and like put something in real quick and it's, but you, you can barely feel, notice it. But you but, can feel the progress yeah, of it. In those moments. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because that's something that you would hear. You know, Rush do or yeah, a bunch of other bands, but not in straight do. rock songs. Yeah. yeah. So it's it was really cool. Yeah. I really dug it. Anyway, 
That's Jake's number four. I guess it's the my number four again. My number four is by a band that I love. Uh, alternative band. They came out with an album called Speaking in Tongues. <laughs> the band is the Talking Heads. And mm. the one song that brought me to the Talking Heads that woke me up on MTV to the Talking Heads, I had to use, which is Burning Down the House. Just a huge song. I love the clean guitar riff in the beginning. Then the beat, the groove, the clean chords. It's just amazing. David Byrne. I love it. I became a Talking Heads fan because of this song. The drummer, Chris France, and the bass player, Tina, got the idea for the title of this when they went to a P-Funk show. Hmm. They started chanting, burn down the house. Burn down the house. Really? And that's how they got the idea for, for this. Uh. The live version has the song end on burning down the house. Well, the studio track does not. And that is because the lyrics were written after the track was produced. Oh, wow. So the whole track was laid down, and then they wrote lyrics for it. Anyway, this hit number nine on the Hot 100. Huh. So uh, any thoughts on Burning Down the House? No, I'm glad you uh, threw it in there because it is an important song. It was on my list, but didn't make it to the top 12. Let's listen to Burning Down the House, my number four, by The Talking Heads. All right, burning down the house. Good pick. My number four. There's a lot of good percussion in that song. Yeah. Have you seen Stop Making Sense? Mm -mm. It's probably the best concert video of all time. Really? It's that good. It's quite a claim. It's quite a claim. Okay. It blew my mind when I saw it. So you need to watch it. I know you're thinking that I'm not talking to you, but I'm the talking to you. you. You need to watch this. All right. So that was my number four. So I guess I'm on my number three again, huh? Sorry. Sorry, Jake. <laughs> My number three is off an album called Eliminator. Okay. It's by ZZ Top. Yeah. Which we did on episode 10. So check that out if you're into ZZ Top. And the name of the song, I had to go with the biggest hit from that album, which is Legs. Okay. I love the guitar tone that Billy gets. Although all the members are credited, only Billy plays a real instrument on the mm. track. Billy said, I was driving in LA and there was an unusual downpour. And there was this really pretty girl on the side of the road. I passed her and then I thought, at least turn around and offer a ride. And by the time I got back, she was gone. But her legs were the first thing I noticed. And she wasn't going to get wet. She had legs and she knew how to use them. <laughs> so that's it. Uh, the cool thing that popped up since we did the, the podcast. episode 10 mm -hmm. podcast, I found this thing called The Tonight Show. Never heard of it. Jimmy Fallon had Chris Stapleton and Kevin Bacon and himself portray uh, Jimmy Fallon was Dusty Hill, Stapleton was Billy Gibbons, <laughs> and Kevin Bacon was Frank Beard. And they played in something called the first drafts of rock. I remember this actually. <laughs> I'm gonna play a little bit, so hold on. She's got elbows. She scrubs them when she takes the best. She's got hands. She knows how to weigh you down. She's got thumbs. She uses them. It's not 
Oh, I love that. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> a body part. <laughs> that's not a body part. Like, Frank Beard is in the back. <laughs> yeah. What about a pencil? Not a pencil. What about a napkin? What about a napkin? What about... Uh, it goes so oh, much man. longer. Uh, I think I'll throw that on our, our playlist, too, just for uh, giggles. Mm -hmm. Just considering the people involved, too. This makes it even more funny. <laughs> oh, interesting. The Legs video took place at a restaurant. In New Town, Hall, right? California. Yeah. So, local. This is number eight on the Hot 100. Legs, ZZ Top, off of Eliminator. Check out podcast episode 10. And let's play it. Let's go. That was my number three, Legs, which isn't your number three, which actually means that you get to tell us <laughs> get, what your number three is. I get a is. turn, yeah. <laughs> you okay. get two turns, hopefully. Yeah, we'll see. Okay, so my number three is a band called U2 off of the War album. This is the, the first U2 album I owned. I went with Sunday Bloody Sunday, which is probably the most obvious pick from it. But sure, solid, strong song from the album. I would play this one over and over all the time would listen to it before school air drum to it it's just one of those those songs 1983 it's it's big rock band significant has to be in the mix yeah i mean i listened to 40 for quite a while <laughs> yeah. if you want to yeah. hear a really good a too much a really good version of 40 our band does it and we'll, we'll we'll link it if you want i'm playing a little bit too fast but uh on first songs no it's more of a free-flowing kind of jam thing it's great it was I play guitar. Jake plays bass. Uh, Jake plays drums. Imagine you play bass and drums. That'd be great. That'd be I think fun. I think Alan would be pretty annoyed. So. <laughs> yeah, it was fun. Yeah, that's on North Park Mission. First song, so you can find it on everything. Really. And there's a little bit of a Aerosmith tip of the hat in the middle there too. We got to listen to it to, to yeah, find it. Yeah, to really get it. A little Easter egg. <laughs> Go check it out. Yeah, this is based on the two bloody Sundays in Irish history. The first was in 1920, where British troops fired into a crowd at a football match in Dublin. And the second one, which really, which is what this moor was about, was in January 30th, 1972, when British paratroopers killed 13 Irish citizens at a civil rights protest in Derry, Northern Ireland. Bono actually tried not to take sides in the song. He always puts this song out as... Let's end the violence, use it as a white flag and a call for peace. So let's listen to Jake's. This is number three. Mm -hmm. Wow. Sunday Bloody Sunday by U2. It almost sounds like a violin there. I think it was. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So anyway, cool. what's your number two? You get to go two in a row here. Nice. Wow. And at, we're at the top of the chain. We're climbing the ladder. We're almost to the top. We're, we're almost to the pinnacle. Getting there. We're getting there. Or to you, like the low. You're still at the low. But you're not quite <laughs> the pinnacle. The pinnacle would be my list. Yours is just under <laughs> <Yeah>. that. <laughs> oh, but go ahead. What's your number two? Yeah, number two. I went with Journey, the album Frontiers. The song is called Separate Ways because... 
when it comes to journey this is my favorite song of theirs not just the song itself is great but it's the best cheesiest video ever they're looking like tough guys and playing their air instruments on there it's almost like are you guys trying to be funny or are you being serious because it can go one of two ways it's got a heavy feel it's still catchy loaded with synth just a really good song and then an entertaining video on top of it so yeah it's uh, one of the worst videos of all time it is journey was drag kicking and streaming through the video era they left the concept yeah. up to each directors which is why they're the air band on here yeah it's horrible what we're gonna play here for you for a second is Beavis and Butthead reviewed this video. Mm -hmm, <laughs> let's just say did. it went bad for Journey. So let's hold on. <laughs> Can imagine. Is this the Partridge family? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, boy, this is horrible. Yeah. And it sucks, too. This video, like, like if it was a turd, it would, like, be, like, the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> At least if the video was a turn, it would, like, be kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs> this guy sucks. Yeah. <laughs> There's me as a butthead doing a, a fair a and honest review. Family? Of <laughs> <laughs> if it was a turn. Uh, if, if, if it was a turn, it'd be like, the same. at least it'd be a little cool. <laughs> this sucks. It's so good. <laughs> yeah, so let's listen to Journey Separate Ways. Oh my god. <laughs> it is one of the worst videos of all time. So if you have to watch it, you will. It's going to be on our playlist. Yeah. So watch that. It's going to be fantastic. You'll cringe and rock out at the same time somehow. Yeah, they're standing on a dock playing no instruments, but pretending they're playing instruments. Yeah. It's really With serious awkward. faces. It's just awkward. Yeah. It's like, am I in on the joke or is the joke on them? I don't know. The don't joke understand. was on them. Yeah. It's But it didn't, you know, it could have went Billy Squire on them and it didn't. Yeah. Some stroke me? Yeah, no, not stroke. Billy Squire had a song where he's like prancing. The director had oh, yeah. him prance around and like I remember a, that in a like an apartment or something. Yeah, right? in an apartment, and it killed him because he's supposed to be this rock guy. Yeah, and all the rock guys saw that. So I keep follow that. If that guy <laughs> skipping across the room, you know, I think like rip his shirt or something. Yeah, in that video, I don't yeah. remember. But. It was totally killed his career. Just let's complete sidebar. Mm. It has nothing to do with our songs that we're talking about. Turn into our Billy Squire uh, episode. Uh, Billy Squire. <laughs> This week. Struck right. me. Struck me. 12 times. <laughs> oh. Or the stroke. Sorry, it's called the stroke. The stroke. <laughs> that, that was what you asked about your masseuse last time you got a massage. <laughs> not 11. Not 13. <laughs> but truthfully, you only needed four. Anyway. <laughs> oh. Oh, <laughs> all right. Oh, enough of this craziness. Mm. Let's get a little severe. Let's get a little metal on my metaldom. My number two, we talked about in another podcast, episode 14. This is their first major album. They had an EP before that, which was more of a pass along thing. It's from a band that started in LA, moved to San Francisco. Metal band, mm. Metallica. Mm. Seek and Destroy is my number my two. Yeah. Uh, it's iconic Metallica, a staple of all the live shows. An amazing song, always headbanging live. 
Love the descending section in the pre. When it picks up in the chorus after the solo, the energy changes. But Hammett said, when I was doing that guitar solo, I just took James's Marshall, which he had rigged by some guy in LA. So he got it really kind of nice. I just plugged my wah and a tube screamer into it and turned it up. Hmm. And I had four or five days to do all my leads for this album. Yeah. And there's 10 or 12 songs on this album. So it was no frills, no contemplation, no over-intellectualizing a solo. It was just going. And a couple of notes in the solo, I bend the notes out of pitch. For 18 years, every time I hear that darn guitar solo, I hear those sour notes <laughs> and they come back at me. So, anyway, this is the third most performed song in band's history. The only other two songs that have been played more than this in concert is Creeping Death and Master of Puppets. Hmm. Uh, a great tune. Yeah, this song was super close. I felt like I had to include it. I'm glad you did. Okay. So, once again, listen to Metallica episode 14 if you want to get deeper into Metallica. And this whets your whistle for Metallica. So, let's listen to Seek and Destroy by Metallica. <laughs> That's some nice stuff right there. Yeah. It's funny listening to James' voice on this this album compared to any other ones. He just sounds like a... Well, he's just, the, he's this little kid. Little punk kid, First yeah. time they're in a recording studio yeah. at all, ever. And they're writing these songs that are... Uh, Iconic. This was really the introduction to that whole change in metal yeah. th- this year. Because Metallica really changed metal on the heavier side with Thrash. And my number one band, which I'm going to talk about now, who also changed metal and actually created the whole hair metal craze was the first band in that changed their sound and Mutt Lang uh, mm-hmm. affected it. I knew it. It has to be Pyromania, right? <laughs> yep, yep. You have to have that. And of course, if you're going to do Pyromania and you have to pick the most popular song off of Pyromania, it has to be Photograph. And that's my number one. It really broke Def Leppard. Amazing song. We did a Def Leppard podcast on episode six, so check that out. Interesting, Thomas Dolby did the audio engineering on this album. Uh, you know, she blinded me with science guy. He didn't want his name associated with a hard rock album. So they renamed him Booker T. Boffin <laughs> on the track. So they did didn't, he, he didn't want to confuse people on there. So Boffin. MTV gave this like a huge bounce, really made the band. The iconic riff, the drums are just juicy in this. This is back when he had two arms. Two distinct guitars plus Colin solo arpeggiated chorus. This has been played at every concert since its release. Mm. And uh, the video was sort of like a Jack the Ripper thing. This was number 12 on the Hot 100. Number 13 on the greatest hard rock songs of all time on VH1. Pyromania sold over 10 million copies. It's a huge album. It's my favorite Def Leppard album because it just has that harder edge than Hysteria. That's it. My number one. Best song of 83, Had to Be Photographed. I remember mm. listening to this and drawing Def Leppard on my notebook. <laughs> it's, it was the VH and the Def Leppard. Those are the two things. Oh, man, let me, uh, yeah, this one, again, it was so high on my list, but uh, I was just like, we we covered it. It didn't feel, again, like 1983 to me, so I pushed it out of the way for some other ones, but um, I'm glad you threw it in there because I had it on my list. 
Okay, you know, it's great. And uh, let's listen to Photograph. It's Def Leppard, Pyromania. Here we go. One of the great things is the harmonies that that they got off of this. That's what mm-hmm. really separated it because nobody had that. Yeah, it's heavy but still rich and melodic, and all these textures that are going on with there. Yeah, it's kind of yeah. not really like hard rock pop, but it's hard rock but with a clean edge to it, as opposed mm-hmm. to the garage feel. Yeah, it's not so raw. Yeah, yeah. Good pick. Oh, and the one other thing is remember I talked about writing Def Leppard and Van Halen on my notebook. Oh, yeah. David Lee Roth stole one of his most known moves from Def Leppard. The Joe, kick? Joe Elliott performed the first Flying Spread Eagle on MTV on, in this video. Oh, really? Full sp- Flying Spread Eagle, like same thing as Dave did and Jump and all that stuff. And he admitted that? No, <laughs> but Joe Elliott did it first by a bunch uh, of years. Okay. This is 83, so 84 was... Yeah. Obviously, jump, jump, and that's where David came up with it. So, hmm. Hmm. just interesting. He said, "I want to steal that." I think that's what he said. Let's have some controversy here. <laughs> Come on, people! <laughs> All right, Jake, are uh, you here? My number one is Def Leppard Photograph. I think I know what your number one is because you haven't said it yet about an alcohol you can't get anymore. Yeah. So, it what's is. your number one? Rebel Yell. It feels like, like I said, it's one of the greatest hard rock songs ever. And to me, I was just, when I was going through the list of all <clears throat> the releases that happened this year, I saw that song right away. I just knew it was my number one. Okay. No, that's really yeah. good. So we made it through 1983. Mm-hmm. And uh, what do you think? That's fun. Surprising uh, that we we hit on two, but also came close with a lot of other. Like I said, if this if we put all our songs together right now on a CD, like a best of 83, I'd, I'd listen to this over and over and you can. We're going to have it on a playlist That's on right. Spotify and on Apple Music. So check that out on iTunes. And not even iTunes. What is that? iTunes. And, YouTube, and YouTube. The YouTube. But the YouTube the with the tubes. And you have to push the stuff through the tubes. <laughs> it's got to be. I don't know. It's something with the internet. And all I know is that college should be free. That's all I know. <laughs> Anyway, oh lordy, there's a couple songs that really just missed for me on this. Oh yeah, I'm and, curious because I have a couple too. And it's just two more. I'm just gonna go through two. I don't want to yeah, go through like fifty. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ozzy Osbourne, "Bark at the Moon" was I, one I that I was sure trying to get that in. And the my undercover of the night and switch with this song, uh, which was Rick Springfield actually, "Human Touch," which is a song I really love. Mm. Until I heard him do a coronavirus mix of it, and it made me take it out. Oh, as yeah. weird as it is, it's all about, you know, people need human contact, and we're designed to be that way. And he's talking about future space where people aren't having the contact, and it's all that. And it's kind of like today. But then he went and did, we don't need a human touch. We should stay uh, away because we have to protect ourselves for the coronavirus hypocrite. and all that stuff. And I was like, oh, I can't put it on See, now. It just ruined it He just for ruined me. his chances of being on our podcast. He ruined... Rick. <laughs> he ruined... I hope you're listening. He ruined immortality <laughs> by being part yeah. of the Dirty Dozen podcast. He could have been preserved. Of 1983. The best songs. He could have been... He could have... 
inched his been... way into the bottom of the best songs <laughs> of 1983. <laughs> the bottom of the best. <laughs> the bottom of the best, which now the Rolling Stones took that and ran with it, which mm. is a great song anyway. So there was another song that I was trying to figure out. Those are the two that I most wanted to get yeah. in that I didn't. I also have actually two of them that I was going to comment on. Suicide Tensies came out, and it's significant yeah. to maybe me, maybe you, some people who are like privy to that, but it's not really like, you don't think of 1983 suicidal, right? but institutionalized, I thought would be a good one to throw in there. At least maybe an honorable mention. One that I really felt weird about cutting out was Holy Diver, the the Dio song, because I was like, this one, everyone knows. It's not just like, it's not a metal song by, you know, everyone's standards, but it's still uh, catchy. And it's, it's one of those ones that you know it when you hear it, even if you're not a Dio fan. I actually like Rainbow in the Dark off that album better. Yeah. That's just me. And because I, I guess it's the satanic implications mm-hmm. off a of holy diver, meaning it's a a song about how Satan is God and he was thrown right. to earth and yeah you know, all that stuff. So I was like, I'm always kind of uncomfortable with that that just slightly mm-hmm. with the overly satanic no, stuff. Mm-hmm. But I do like some of the Dio stuff and Rainbow in the Dark was, yeah. was the song off that album that I yeah. was the second best song on the album, but the one that was not as problematic for me. Uh, yeah, <laughs> if we were talk best deal song it's probably man on the silver mountain for me but okay but yeah those are the the ones that missed the cut besides some of the ones that you've already mentioned that i felt like should have been there okay let's run through our top 12 well 12 plus one mm-hmm. uh, song of note to remind people i'll go first my song of note is run run away by slade my number 12 is undercover of the night by the rolling stones my number 11 the place it should be is <laughs> rebel yell by billy idol my number 10 is Blister in the Sun by the Violent Femmes. Number 9 is Come On, Feel the Noise by Quiet Riot. Number 8, Every Breath You Take, The Police. My number 7 is One Thing Leads to Another by The Fix. Number 6, Pink Houses by John Mellencamp. Number 5, I Want a New Drug by Huey Lewis and the News. Number 4, Burning Down the House by The Talking Heads. Number 3, Legs by ZZ Top. Number two, Seek and Destroy by Metallica. And number one, of course, is the best song of 83, <laughs> Photograph by Def Leppard. Now, Jake, what's your top yeah, 12? song of note, Violent Femmes, Gone Daddy Gone. At number 12, Jeopardy by the Greg Kinband, followed by Reflex, The Reflex, Pedran Duran. Sweet Dreams by Rhythmics, That's All by Genesis. Let's Dance at number eight by David Bowie. One Thing Leads to Another by The Fix, which we matched on. Number six, Every Breath. Oh, not Every Breath. King of Pain by The Police. Aha, uh-huh, you we were switched close. it. We you were close switched there. it. <laughs> number five, we also matched. I Want a New Drug, Huey Lewis. Then Owner of a Lonely Heart, yes. Sunday Bloody Sunday, you two. Separate Ways Journey. And number one, Rebel Yell, one of the greatest hard rock songs ever, especially of 1983 by Billy Idol. Fair enough. This is fun, man. Yeah, that was a good one. Yeah, we came through, and it's a really good year for songs. Yeah, I was surprised. Yeah, you don't know sometimes. If you like what you're listening to, tell a friend about the podcast, share it. That would be great. And if you want to just chat, come over to Facebook, and we'll be over there and chatting away. Uh, We do some polls. We do some other fun stuff. Making sure you're involved in next season. After we do the uh, 80s, we're going to do... Uh, regular season of bands thank you everybody for being a part of this family and uh, community Mm -hmm. i'll see you in two weeks we're gonna be talking about 1982 with alan campbell who've done uh, aerosmith and rush with us at one point so that'll be fun 
yeah and we have then 81 and 80 and then we're going to have this wrap up of the whole 80s process and do our best of the 80s which will be fun and we're going to try to get everybody who's co-hosted to join in in some degree we'll see you in two weeks well we won't see you you'll hear us you'll hear us and hopefully <laughs> we'll speak to you on facebook and that'd be great so god bless and i'll see you soon mm.